Good morning. How's everyone doing? Awesome. My, as Tony said, my name is Mike Wittig. I serve at the church in several different roles. And as he mentioned, my beautiful wife is there. Her name's Hope. And in August, we'll be celebrating 10 years. And it's been a real joy to be her husband. She's an amazing person. Um, my son, as he said, is in the nursery children's center downstairs. He's three and a half years old. And it's truly a joy and honor to be his dad. I'm real excited this morning to be here with you. I love this campus. I was just talking to people this morning how much I love this place. Um, if you have a Bible, if you would turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, we'll be looking at verses two, uh, 1 through 5. And I'm here this morning to speak to a very specific group of people. And I understand this could potentially not be for everyone, but it's for a very specific group, a tar- target audience, if you will. And if you're part of this group, I have a feeling this message might resonate with you. I have some good news for you. And I feel hopefully it will be an encouragement if you're part of this group. And that group that I'm speaking to this morning specifically is sinners. Uh, Those people who sin. So if that's you, um, the scripture has something good for you this morning. For those who have fallen short of God's glory. And here's a way to, something I always think about. Imagine if we had a special machine that we could put right up here. And on the weekends, we could post your sins of the past week, all the thoughts, deeds, words, the things you said about your girlfriend behind her back that you didn't want her to hear, all those things. If we could put those those on the screen, and if you would be horrified, as I would be, by that, if you'd have to change churches, then uh, you qualify as a sinner, and this message is for you this morning. Good news for sinners, good news for those who have come to the end of themselves. If you're here, if you've been a Christian for a little bit, and you've realized I just can't do this anymore. I can't do it on my own. I need something else. I have good news for you. Good news for those who don't have the goods, who are burnt out, who don't have what it takes. So let's read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Ephesus, but his words are so applicable to us, so descriptive of us today. He writes in verse 1, And you were dead... In the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Verse 4, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask this morning that you would... Open our eyes once again to your amazing grace in Christ Jesus. Stir us, revive us, intoxicate us. Help us remember because we have forgotten how gracious you are to us. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I just love this passage, Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. And I love it because it speaks so clearly of the human condition, but then also of the divine compassion of our sin and His salvation, our badness and His goodness. 
And I've been thinking about this text for a few weeks now, just kind of chewing on it, marinating on it, just letting it soak in for a little bit. And I believe I could summarize it. I could uh, outline it in a simple outline for us to help us understand what he, what's being said here. That's a lot of words. I think we could shrink it down for outline purposes to a short statement. In the first three verses, we're going to see point number one, our sin runs deep. Our sin runs deep. And then in verses four and five, we get to the good news. Point number two, but God's grace runs deeper. Our sin runs deep, but God's grace runs deeper. Or to put it another way, in the words of Jack Miller, theologian, cheer up. You're a lot worse off than you think you are. (laughs) But in Christ Jesus, you are far more loved than you ever could have imagined. So let's look at this. That is the message of this text. That is the message of the entire Bible. And that is really good news for people like us, for sinners. So let's look at this passage. Point number one, our sin runs deep. And in order for us to appreciate how high we have been exalted, lifted up in Christ Jesus, it's good to understand how low we had sunk in ourselves. Our sin runs deep. Verse number one. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. That's brutal right there. And I have a, hopefully a picture on the screen here for us to help illustrate what the Apostle Paul is doing. Here we have a doctor with an x-ray and he's taking the x-ray and he's placed it upon the illuminator box and he's showing what the problem is. There's an issue here. He's diagnosing the problem there and it's a simple visual aid, but it's helpful to understand what Paul is doing in these three verses. He's revealing to us the problem. This is Paul's diagnosis inspired by the Holy Spirit of the human condition apart from Christ. This is us. Paul says in verse one, you were dead. And the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. And that, that is a devastating diagnosis. A brutal description of the human condition. And notice here, you were dead. He does not say that we were injured, that we were hobbling along, that we needed some encouragement, that we were on our last breath. He clearly says we were dead. The word he's drawing from there relates to a corpse. is lifelessness, death. Think of a graveyard. Think tombstone. Think skeleton. You and I, apart from God's regenerating grace, were dead in our trespasses and sins. Where there's life, there's hope. But death is the end of all hope. So he's describing hopelessness there. We're in trouble. We desperately needed help. Our sin runs really deep. And then in verse 3, Paul goes on to say, and we're by nature children of wrath. We are born sinners deserving of God's judgment. In Psalm 51, 5, David has this to say, Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. And these are not popular verses in today's therapeutic culture, but it's important to understand and come to terms with that we are born sinners. We sin because we are sinners. We come out of the womb with this sin nature. We've inherited it from Adam. Our sin runs deep and we have stirred the wrath of a holy God, a holy and just God, a perfect God. We have committed, in the words of R.C. Sproul, cosmic treason against him. And the problem is he cannot overlook that. There's a big problem. 
He can't overlook our sin, our transgressions, because we are naturally children of wrath, deserving of His judgment. At the same time, though, we see that we need God's acceptance. We want His love. We desire it. We crave it. We were made for it. So what do we do? How do we resolve that tension? We're a child of wrath, but we desire that love. We need that love. That's a problem. God does not look at us, look at our good intentions and give us a pass. He doesn't look at our... He doesn't grade on a curve. He has this perfect standard. Nothing less than the righteousness of Jesus Christ will be acceptable before Him. So we're in trouble. And we can't help ourselves. We are spiritually dead. And Dr. Paul has just revealed to us the x-ray. And it's not always good news. Sometimes bad news comes before good news. Sometimes we have to accept these hard truths. The diagnosis is dire. We aren't awesome. We aren't all right. We are beyond self-repair. The answer for us as a people, as a humanity, the answer is not found in the self-help section at Barnes & Noble. Education is not the answer for what what ails us. Better economic conditions won't fix this. Our sin runs simply too deep. And I want to challenge you, before we move on to the good news, I want to challenge you to occasionally in life just come back to these type of verses, and the Bible's full of them. The Bible has a very low view of man. (laughs) Come back to these verses and stay there until you see yourself. Reality is an ally of God. And when we come to terms with our true reality, when we see who we really are, you quickly realize that you have nowhere to go to but but to Christ. You have nothing to cling to but to the cross. Nothing Nothing to boast in but the grace of God. Amazing grace is not as sweet a sound until we realize what wretches we were. And in order for us to understand the cure, we've got to come to terms with the disease. Our sin runs deep. So yeah, these first three verses are bad news, but there's good news as well. Yes, you're far worse off than you th- thought you were. Yes, our sin runs deep. But here's, here's a good part. Point number two. God's grace runs deeper. So yeah, we're a mess. But His grace runs deeper. Paul just got done speaking to us of our spiritual death. A deep, deep spiritual death here. And it is into our death that God comes with His glorious gospel of grace. Into our hopelessness, the hero arrives and takes action. Let's look at verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead, in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. But God, and I think those two words, but God, are two of the greatest words in all of Scripture. Our salvation hangs on those two words, but God. And we've just learned, I've just been a few minutes talking about some bad news. We are disasters. We're train wrecks committing cosmic treason against God, children of wrath, dead. And how would you and I, if you and I were God, how would we react to that, to that kind of uh, rebellion against Him? What would we do? Well, we, would, we love justice. We would pour out our justice upon these people. Our culture, we love demanding justice. But instead, we read these words, but God, into our despair, into our brokenness, into our shattered dreams, into our sin, we read, but God, being rich in mercy. I loved it when we were having the pop-up prayer. Grace, mercy, forgiving, loving. Sinners understand that we need forgiveness. 
Because of the great love, it says, with which He loved us. And this is the point. I've, I love these five verses. And I've read them often in the last couple of years. This is the one point that I've missed all this time until the last few weeks when I really started feasting on this passage. Notice it says there, because of the great love with which He loved us. But you remember, like just a minute ago, we were talking about what disasters we were, what train wrecks we were, what jerks we were. But here it says, because of the great love with which He loved us. How can that be? How can God love such rebels? And what we're doing, what we're getting here from the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is he is giving us a peek behind the curtain, and we are catching a glimpse of the beauty and glory of the gospel. And this absolutely blows my mind. This is incredible news. If you get nothing else, get this. In our world, how it works, many of you are familiar with this. Um, You pick yourself up, you clean the dirt off your face, you become lovely, and then you are shown love. You do, and then you receive. Makes sense to us. That's how it works. In God's economy, His love comes first. His love precedes our loveliness. Even though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, unlovable people, we're the opposite of lovable. He loved us. Rejoice in that this morning. That's amazing news. That's really good news for sinners. The thing about God is He has this piercing gaze And there are no fig leaves that you and I can construct that can hide ourselves from his gaze. He sees it all. He knows us. You can fool. I can fool you. Tony can fool me. We can all be somewhat hypocritical in our own ways. But you can't fool God. He knows you and he knows me. And that's a scary thought on one hand. He knows all about your lust problem, your junk, your rage, your anger, your bitterness, your anxiety. He knows all about mine. But he loves us anyway on account of Christ. You are fully known, yet deeply loved by God. And I don't know if it gets much better than that. I don't know. For me, uh, that thought, knowing that I am exposed, but yet he loves me, can sustain me through some really hard times in life. And it has. You are fully known, yet deeply loved. God's grace runs deeper than your sin. And Paul goes on to say, Even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. And you see that contrast of death and life. Typically, dead men do not rise, but God has taken what is dead and made it alive. We are born again, or born from above, and it is all of God. Jonah 2.9, salvation is of the Lord. God has resurrected what was dead in us for His glory. And finally, this is to me a beautiful summary Some really good theology. That last little line, Paul says, By grace you have been saved. And yeah, saved from what? Is a good question. Saved from the judgment and justice of God. The wrath of God poured out upon us that we deserve. And this is a gift of God, lest we should boast. We don't earn this. We have nothing to do with it. We simply receive it. And that one point... If you're here, if you're kind of wrestling with what Christianity is, this sets Christianity apart from every other religion. All other religions, as I mentioned before, you cling yourself up. you got to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. God will help you if you help yourself kind of thing. In Christianity, God comes for the unlovable, the rascals, the scoundrels. 
when you have to pick yourself up, when you have to become good to receive God's love, that's known as legalism. And it leads to either despair, because you can't do it, or self-righteousness because you think you can. And Christianity is radically different. Christians, we are simply heirs. Someone has died and has given us this large estate, and we didn't do anything. We just receive it. It's a gift to us. Christianity says that God's love for you, oh, this is, this is something I've feasted on for so many years. I just love this truth. Christianity says God's love for you is not based on your performance, but on his performance for you. It's not based on who you are, but who he is. Not what you have done, but what he has done on this cross. And we can be really glad about that because our love for God, our performance is hot one day, it's cold the next, it comes and goes. But his love for Christians, his love for you is unwavering. It is steadfast. It is sure. It's covenantal. It's grounded in his very nature and secured by his blood. And again, this is the opposite of how the world works, the opposite of how religions typically work. We love those who are lovely, don't we? Isn't it easy? You know, we talk about being on mission and being missional. It's easy to be missional to people who are lovely and who, who write a thank you note, you know. But God loves the tax collectors, the promiscuous, the desperate, the judgmental, the legalists. He loves people just like us. And that's good news. God does not interact with us via our performance. And you can be really glad that he doesn't because we don't want to be judged based on our performance. We can't handle that kind of justice. We need grace. We desperately need it. Whether we realize it or not, we need grace. And thankfully, God is there to dish it out to us liberally. Grace for messed up people living in this messed up world. Grace that is greater than our sin, our brokenness, our deadness. Grace that has the final word. And that leads to a good question. Okay, you mentioned grace a lot. Paul mentions grace here. What does grace mean? Grace is God's unmerited, unearned favor directed towards you. Here's justice over here. Justice is when you get what you deserve. You steal in the Middle East and they might cut your hand off and you deserve that maybe. Uh, Mercy is over here. Mercy is when you don't get what you deserve. They decide not to cut your hand off. And finally, grace is getting something that you don't deserve. It's this positive action directed towards you. Grace is counterintuitive to us. It doesn't make sense. And here's why. Because we are conditional people living in a conditional world. We think in terms of earning and receiving in terms of being lovely and being shown love. And grace is otherworldly. It is out of this world. It does not make sense. It's hard for us to really categorize it. Hard for us to process it. Justin Holcomb, who's a theologian, has this to say about grace. He says, Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely, which is us. The peace of God given to the restless. The unmerited favor of God. Grace is unconditional love toward a person who does not deserve it. Grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. Grace is one-way love. See, grace knows nothing of timesheets. It doesn't keep score. And it comes to those who don't deserve it. And if you're here this morning, if you limped in this room right now, barely squeaking in, maybe you came here because you were forced to, or you felt you should, You might get what I'm talking about. I think sinners understand they need this. Desperate people get this, have nothing to cling to but the grace. And that's sometimes in some ways it's a good place to be. Good news for sinners. 
Bono, anyone know who Bono is from U2? I'm going to reference him of all people. Um, U2 was at one point one of the biggest rock bands in the world. They're still pretty popular. He was being interviewed for a book a few years ago called Conversations, and they started talking to him about his faith, and I thought this was totally fascinating, and I wanted to read it to you this morning. Bono has this to say. He said, you see, at the center of all religions is the idea of karma. You know, what you put out comes back to you. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Or in physics, in physical laws, every action is met by an equal and opposite one. It's clear to me, he says, that karma is at the very heart of the universe. I'm absolutely sure of it. And yet, along comes this idea called grace. To upend all that you reap what you sow stuff. Grace defies reason and logic. Love interrupts, if you like, the consequences of your actions, which in my case is very good news indeed, because I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I'd be in big trouble if karma was going to finally be my judge. It does not excuse my mistakes, but I'm holding out for grace. I'm holding out that Jesus took my sins onto the cross because I know who I am. And I hope I don't have to depend on my own religiosity. I just love that quote. Bono seems to get it. He knows, perhaps better than me and better than some of us, how desperate he is for something outside of himself. The answer is not found in here. It's found out there. Great hymn puts it this way. Nothing in my hand I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. That is all we have. Grace means that while you and I were running from God, and if you know my story, I was so running from God, He was coming after us in love, with this one-way love, showering us with His grace. He took the justice that we had coming our way upon the cross. And so if you're here today, and if you're a Christian, um, I want to proclaim to you a message of liberation. You can go to sleep tonight knowing that you are fully loved and accepted by God on account of Christ. It is finished. Christ, Christian, you will stand before God one day with all your failures and, and your faults, your insecurities and your doubts. And that's a scary thought. But you will be robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. His righteousness is all you will have on that day. But his righteousness is all you will ever need. His beauty, his confidence, his love, his perfection will be credited to you. It is credited to you. You are in. You are joined with him and accepted on account of Christ. Because Christ died, you can live. And you can live in freedom the rest of your days on earth and for eternity, knowing that Jesus is enough for you. That is grace. Grace means that you can finally quit trying to earn God's favor because you already have it on account of Christ. Grace means that you can finally let yourself off the hook because God has. That's been taken care of for you. Grace means that you can now view your life as a gift to be received and enjoyed instead of this endless series of competitions where you're trying to prove yourself. His righteousness has been credited to you. It is done. You are accepted. His goodness has covered your badness. No strings attached. No questions asked. You've just inherited this estate called Christ. Let that liberation just wash over you this morning. 
Let it seep into your wounds and heal your hurting heart. Bathe in that intoxicating grace. Feast on this. This is the good stuff. Your sin runs deep. There's no doubt about it. Let's not ignore that. We've got to talk about sin and wrath and the law. But God's grace runs deeper. And my wife is right there. Many years ago, when we were first married, we went through a difficult um, season. You know, you go through highs and lows and went through a hard time financially. And we had a lot of bills that were stacking up. At the same time, we had a major health concern in our family. We had to get it addressed, and it was uh, very expensive. And we have a catastrophic insurance that will pay for most of our bills. But even with that, we had a large stack of outstanding bills that I I just looked at it and I didn't quite know what I was going to do. And so after receiving some counsel, I wrote to some of the doctors and hospitals asking if I can make payments, asking if I can get a slight reduction in payment maybe. And a few of these uh, hospitals, doctors wrote me back and they did say, yeah, we'll we'll take uh, payments every month or we'll give you a discount. And one of these bills, my largest one, was for multiple thousands of dollars. Overwhelming for me at the time. And I received a note. This is from a Catholic hospital. I received a note from them, and here's paraphrasing what they told me. They said, Mike, we received your request for a balance reduction. Because God has shown his love for us, we want to show love for you. We will take care of all of your debt. Consider it paid. And I was absolutely overwhelmed. What one-way love. What unmerited favor. And here's a, what, what's crazy about this for me is they never invited me to, uh, for a video shoot about updating how they're helping the needy in the community. There was no, I provided nothing to them in return. They didn't put it in their advertising or on the website of how they're helping those who are desperate. It was behind the scenes, one-way love, unmerited favor directed towards me, someone who owed them. And the good news of the gospel, my friends, this morning is that God is a gracious God and he has chosen to interact with us by the way of grace. He's chosen not to treat us in the manner that we deserve. Yes, he's a God of justice, as we mentioned, but he takes that justice upon himself, which is why we love the cross so much. So if you are here this morning, if you feel like a failure If you feel like at times you don't measure up, if you drop the ball, if you're a sinner, if you are looking for healing, for forgiveness, for grace, you will find it in only one place. Or to put it another way, you'll find it in only one person. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus is the embodiment of grace. Jesus is grace. He is love personified, love wrapped in flesh, a gift from God to us. And he is unlike anything his world has ever known. He rocked the world 2,000 years ago and he still does today. So come to him, all you, all of us, all who are weary and heavy laden, all who are sinners, come to him and he will give you rest. Come and live under his banner of it is finished. My friends, it's true that your sin runs deep, my sin runs deep, but God's grace runs deeper. And we can rejoice in that this morning, can't we? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your grace in Christ Jesus. Your love toward undeserving sinners. May it overwhelm us. May it intoxicate us.
May it shatter our yokes and bring comfort to our hurting hearts. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.